This is the A to Z Podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. A to Z Podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z Podcast. Shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks, AmericanFireworks.com, and Cleveland Whiskey. It's a crisp fall morning, Andre. It feels like football. Um, yes, it does. What's up with you? Uh, not a lot. It's been a uh, interesting beginning of the week, uh, especially when you start off with Monday Night Football for the Cleveland Browns. Baseball has had some action as well in the last 24 hours. We've had the elimination games over in the National League, and um, I guess that's why you want to get in. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, we even I said with the Indians, ah, they would have had no chance if they would have made it in, and I still believe that. But if you're in St. Louis today or if you're in Washington today, uh, you believe in miracles, I guess. So that's well, kind of what we got. In this. <laughs> yeah. Congrats and congrats to the Atlanta Braves who um, ooh, ooh. Kind of run out of their own stadium. Congrats because I only had to watch the first inning. Um, the Nationals, a hell of a comeback last night. I actually turned it on the radio to start the eighth inning. They hit the first homer, and I took it on the stream and then was glued till way, way past my bedtime. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by I was getting texts from you still during that. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> Isn't baseball, and I guess we've seen it in in all the major sports, but you know, so many times in October, the hot team wins, right? Right, right, right. We've said that, you know, we've said that so many times, and and, and sometimes I don't think people believe you or you believe it, but you've said this, and it's been one of the one of the rules of this podcast is that you know, in tournament style uh, settings, the hot team always has, is the team that you want to go with, and. You get a hot hand, you can ride it all the way to the end. We've seen it in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we've seen it in baseball. And you see it in football, I think, every year as well. I think that's why uh, I give somebody like Belichick credit. He knows when to have his, his team playing its best football. Um, and I think that's a difficult thing to do. But the great ones know how to kind of get the best out of their guys when they need to. Yeah, I saw a stat. I don't know, but it was like going back X number of years um, – in the division series and game five, the road team is, is winning like 70% of the games. So, you know, I don't wow. know that there's any correlation there. Cause obviously each series and each game takes on the life of its own, but um, it just, to me, I read that as, as you get going. Right. And you believe in, and it's not like the nationals or the rays, right? This isn't David versus Goliath, but the Dodgers payroll is like $900 billion, right? The Dodgers right. Win 105 games every year and the Dodgers led the series and the Nationals came back. So, I mean, obviously this Nationals pitching staff um, is as scary as anyone's except Houston's. I can't believe I'm talking this much baseball, but I love October baseball. <laughs> well, October baseball is, is the best. And, you, and you're right. Washington has something uh, that not many others. And, and it, well, the one thing that I picked up on, uh, and this is not a surprise, is no one trusts their bullpen right now. You know, the Dodgers, who have had one of the best closers in baseball over the last five years, he's been he's been rough and rugged this year. Uh, he's gotten beat up a little bit, but there's no trust in him. So you go to Kershaw, who's been really generally – in this generation, one of the best pitchers of this generation. But in the playoffs, cannot get over the hump for whatever reason. And we talk about this in football. We talked about this with Eli Manning just a few weeks ago. And I think this transcends sports, which is crazy to me, is that you can be a great regular season player, and you can win all the, the, the in-season awards, and people pat you on the back for that. But, man, if you're good in the playoffs, we put you in the Hall of Fame, and we bow down to you for the rest of your life, right? And Clayton Kershaw, for 162, no one better over the last decade. 
But you put him in a game in late October or mid-October, and it's a coin flip. You don't know. And I don't blame Dave Roberts for going to him. Uh, I wouldn't trust my closer either. In Washington, Patrick Corbin, who's a really good starter, gave it up in game, I want to say game three, and it made you think, all right, this series is over. They don't trust their bullpen. And I don't blame them. I mean, you watch just like – like that's why what Tito did in 16 with his bullpen was unbelievable. But I just got to ask one question. Mm-hmm. If you can go 162 games and you trust certain people to get you certain places, I understand wanting to use better pitchers or your better guys on the staff at certain times. But if they're not used to doing it, are you really helping yourself as a baseball team? Well, like you when know, you put your I, third starter in, and I think we've discussed it probably more away from the mic than anything since that in 2016. It's like yeah. everybody gets why you don't do that on a game in May 15th, right? Because right. like you pay these guys too much money, right? But right. Um, you're right. It, it is. And, and these guys are such creatures of routine, right? In situation. And they come up and they do this. And yeah, I mean, it's easy to second guess Dave Roberts right now, right? Just like it right. was easy to second guess whoever the hell the Nationals manager is uh, after Corbin got blown <laughs> up in game three. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you on September 1st, when the rosters expand, start playing a different kind of baseball? If you're going to be in the playoffs, they do. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it is something that they do. And I, to me, it's a tad bit scary because I'll say this of what we, yeah, I'll say this. It's just proof that even in baseball, the the most matchup driven game, uh, the one where anybody, you don't even need a fancy spreadsheet to look at some guy's history against a certain guy or against left-handers. You still play them on TV, not on paper, right? You still have to execute in that situation. No doubt. No doubt at all. And I think, you know, at, at, hey, I think this makes for a great NLCS. I can't believe we talked about this so much. Uh, and you know what? No matter what happens with Tampa tonight, kudos to them for not rolling over uh, and giving the Astros all they got. But I'll say this, uh, with the Dodgers out, if the Astros win tonight, oh, the Astros and Yankees should be good. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what pitchers they use because they closed out with Blake Snell the other night. Um, they've got one of their best starters going. They got the best starter in all of baseball, in my opinion, is going for Houston. So if if, if Tampa makes it, they're truly going to earn it if they can beat Garrett Cole. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, that that is the guy you watch him all year long. Uh, but that is the guy I would think that anybody right now would want having the ball in a game five, game seven, game whatever situation. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be like at this point that dude just throwing fire. Yeah. Um, I, I really so, laugh because. See. One of the baseball teams I do follow um, loosely is the Pirates, just because my brother right. lives in Pittsburgh. You know, the, it is right. the most beautiful park to me that, that I've been to, right? And, um, you know, they're just kind of around. I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh, frankly, right? So the, right. The, their minor league affiliate, the Indianapolis Indians, who play right next to the JW Marriott in India, a place I also go a couple times a year, <laughs> um, put out a tweet that said, you know, uh, basically trolling the pirates and it had to be intentional because it was one of those uh, tweets with the two pictures and it was Garrett Cole on the left and Tyler Glass now on the right saying, you know, good luck to our alums this week or what wow. does it say about, you know, who you can see in Indy, uh, you know, something like that. And right. I was like, oh my right. God. <laughs> right. It's unbelievable. Neil, ha- Neil Huntington in Pittsburgh is traded. Those two, 
and Austin Meadows, like their best players that they 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 drafted, cultivated, and everything else, are helping other ball clubs. And somehow they fire the manager and the coaches, and they think everything's going to be okay. Congrats, Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates. No, Congrats. that's that's uh, I mean, look, more than ever in across the board in pro sports, it's real easy to see which teams are run by idiots and which teams at least have a fight. They really are, right? <laughs> and, they and really everybody are. has they different really circumstances, are. and I think it's magnified in baseball, you know, more than anything because of the payroll differences. Um, but right. so, dealing within your circumstances is where it starts. And then just in general, um, some teams can, can come out and punch with people and, and some teams can't. And um, last baseball, but yes, last baseball thing I'll say, and I said that the last time we tried to do this, imagine buying, imagine spending six, $700 in tickets for you and your boys and kids in Atlanta yesterday. Game oh. starts at five o'clock. You got to deal with Atlanta traffic. You got to deal with trying to get it, and it's not in downtown Atlanta. It's in the suburb, about 15 minutes outside of Atlanta, but it takes you about 45 minutes to an hour because it's Atlanta. And imagine you show up at the park at 5:10. You've been listening to the Tom Hamilton of Atlanta. You've been trying to get through traffic. You're trying to get the kids out of school in time, and you get out of your car, and it's already eight nothing. Like just a mad. Like and I'm sure that has happened. I would, if I could, and I could have. If I had time this morning, I would have just turned on Atlanta radio this morning just to hear. Yes. I know Vince Cellini's brother is down there, but I almost wanted to just be a fly on the wall to Atlanta radio this morning because, damn, that hurt. I was I was sitting right here writing, and uh, um, I kind of lost track of time, and I forgot which channel it was on. So I tuned in at 5.05, and at 5.13, it was 9 to nothing, and I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is amazing, man. Like, it just – I remember I took a phone call. Since I got on the phone with Nick Camino for a second, and I literally turned my head back. It was the second inning. I was like, "What the hell?" Just I like, you know how you think when you have. I was I was streaming a game on my laptop, and I was just like, "Is my laptop like you know what I mean?" Like it was like because it was in between innings. I was like, "Is the laptop just fucking with me?" Or is it like I was like, "This can't be real." And then I was like, "Yeah, it is real." That was well. Congrats, Atlanta. There's always the yeah. Oh, I, speaking of, I have the, the Falcons are awful the, uh... too. The, the action app, which is really good, the action network. And, uh, um, you know, sometimes it gives an update and you're like, no way that's real. Right. And, you know, yeah, it'll say right. like the kicker scored for the green Bay Packers or something like that. Right. Or it'll, it'll right. go to input a touchdown and it'll input six touch. It's just what happens with technology. Right. But, but that score was definitely real because I watched the game for eight minutes and the Cardinals scored nine. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, here's shout the out to Nick Camino. To shout out to Nick Camino. Um, quit tweeting. And speaking of Channel Three, I got to tell you this. So, about a week ago, uh, Jim Donovan comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, I got your book. That's great." I started reading it. And yeah, he goes, um, "I'm going to have you on the seven o'clock show to talk about it." I said, "Yeah, that that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that." He goes, "All right, just call me next week." Um, he goes, "We'll get it set up." He goes, "You know, that's a perfect time." He goes, "We love to have all the young authors on there." He goes, "I believe we had Steinbeck on the show one time." <laughs> i love seeing jimmy after these games at halftime of these games and after these games because he's seen so many damn ghosts right right and after they go out to san francisco and don't get off the bus he looked like he had seen six more because he pours his heart into every broadcast and he really does he's not a homer but he just wants something positive he's trying to keep people engaged to his broadcast and my God, why would anybody have been listening in the second half? Uh, right. Well, I'll tell you, I 
I texted with him yesterday a little bit just because, I mean, him and I, hey, your job's your job. And I've made those flights with that team, and we've talked about flights. And we've talked about, you know, and we've told stories about the different ones we've been on and the different stuff we've se- we've seen and how people treat each other. And I just know him, and I know how bad a flyer Jim Donovan is. And all I could think was, could you imagine Jim Donovan after they couldn't score and after the way they played? Could you imagine him not being able to sleep on that plane coming back across the country all night long? Because I'll never forget the time we left. It may have been Oakland. And I would see it. You were seated a certain way. We were seated, all, we were seated pretty close. And literally, we'd been in the air for about 30 minutes. And Jim Donovan stands up in front of me and stands over my seat and goes, hey, you think we're almost halfway home yet? I'm like, Jimmy, we've been in the air for like 30 minutes. So we go to that, you know, when you can like look up how where you're at at the time. And I'll never forget, we were like over Denver. <laughs> it was like, dude, we still got like three hours, brother. Like, like, and he stood over me, and then you came over, and he stood over me for three hours straight, just talking and coming up with stuff because he hates flying. Could you imagine? So I texted him yesterday, and I won't get into everything he said. He was just like, it was horrible. It was like a funeral. It was horrible. <laughs> he was like, do you he was remember like, the impressions he used to do with those flights? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! If people saw, if people really got to see, um, and I mean that goes for a lot of us. That goes for a lot, but they, that guy, that guy is better at so many other things than doing doing sports at six twenty. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell his Paul McGuire story on here because we're going to have him oh. on tell it. But. <laughs> Um, shout out to Paul McGuire, to Youngstown, Ursuline, to all, all our fa- all our friends in Youngstown. <laughs> when he told, I mean, wow. I've heard the story thirteen times and I cry every time. <laughs> it's it's that is a tease of teases. We have to get Jim Donovan on here. And we have to have him tell that story. That's all. all right, I'll so say. let me let me go. Wait, wait, let me do something real okay. quick. I'm very upset and I'm not happy about how you started this podcast. You didn't introduce me. You didn't shake my hand, and therefore I got to take this out on you the rest of the podcast. I don't appreciate it. I like to be respected. I've been in this podcast game for a long effing time, and I don't appreciate somebody walking in here that ain't been in here in the same amount of time as me, not shaking my hand and respecting me and looking me in the eye before we go to battle. Is that the biggest crop of crack of bullshit of all time? Like Richard, and, and you know what? And, I, and I'm not even about Richard Sherman anymore about this, Zach. It's just the culture that we're that we're amongst. If you don't like somebody, you have that right. You have the right to simply come out and say, "I think he's a cocky, brash asshole," and I'm glad we we laid it on him. But don't make stuff up and don't lose your credibility. Don't do that crap, people. Be straight to the point. If you don't like somebody, just like on Twitter, if you don't like me on Twitter, don't pity pat around and look for me to say something wrong or for me to do something wrong. Just say, Andre, I think you're an asshole, and that's why I don't follow you. That's why I follow you on Twitter. Don't be the pettiness that Richard Sherman was. That's some NBA Twitter-type bullshit, and I don't buy into it. And I am not sitting here trying to stand up for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield gets everything that he has coming to him because of how he goes about his lifestyle. And God bless him. You guys all like wearing T-shirts. You guys all like swearing to him. You guys all like following along and playing follow the leader to him and, and, and worshiping him, worshiping him. And if that's what you're into, good for you. But when you worship someone like that, you're going to deal with people coming back at him. And re- forget the game because the game, we'll get to the game. The Nick Bosa thing, you know what? I don't care what side you're on. That was awesome. And, and, but that's what Baker brings. But Richard Sherman, don't ever come at me anymore with any of your other bullshit. Just play the game 
and shut up and stop with all the bullshit, please. Because that yeah. was bullshit. Um, Don't make up lies. In Nobody the realm of ridiculous, which is the world that the Browns tend to live in, um, that was extra ridiculous, right? Yeah. And yes. what Nick Bosa did is the very definition of what we say, trophy or Jordan face, right? When it's going well, yep. dance all you want, flex all you want, wave all the flags, talk all the shit, right? Because either you're getting the trophy or you're getting the Jordan face, and the Browns certainly got Jordan faced, right? But for him to do that, when it's just as easy, if you want to make a point, if you want to put down Baker Mayfield, if you want to celebrate your win, and Richard Sherman had an interception in the game, then you come out right. and you talk about the game. And you say, we thought he was overrated. We saw seven things we could do to him, and we did all seven of them, right? We rubbed their noses in it. To make that shit up and carry it out and act like you need, it, at this stage of your career and for that game, some extra motivation, to, to treat him that way, it's it's just ridiculous. It really right. is. And, right. And the way it kind of spread like wildfire and the way it wasn't walked back um, – I'm not going to get it. Everybody knows how I feel no, about that particular no, writer. No. It doesn't yeah, benefit me. You don't got to say anything. Yeah, well, it doesn't benefit me. This this is who he is and what he does, right? Yep. I, I, I've been there. When you have my job and you want to write something a certain way, there's very little that can happen that can affect you, change you from doing that, right? Yes. Well, well let me ask you this. As a writer, and I know that editing is so different than it was probably 15, 20 years ago. You were great talking about what Sports Illustrated meant to our childhood, to your childhood, but what it also meant to writing. Um, and I don't want to get into the, like, you know, but as a writer, in, in this day and age, if you get a quote, like, and obvious, it's pretty obvious because we're Monday, we're Monday morning quarterbacking this. But when you get certain quotes and you can look up certain things, like he didn't even shake my hand, as a writer nowadays, with all the information we have and all the capabilities that we have, and I'm not, and this isn't for me, to, I'm, I'm asking a real question, if it, whether it was Michael Silver or whether it was, uh, you know, Ed Silver, whatever. Do you pause a little bit when you get certain quotes from people or do you just take them for the word and, and, and go off of it when you're writing the story? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, you would take pause on that, Dre, because this is a National Football League, right? This is not right. a high school coin toss where the biggest kid who wears the extra eye black can intimidate anybody and is going to go out there and just stare and snarl, Right. Like, this is the NFL. Right. Guys give eight hugs, right? Guys at least give one. Right. Gap up. It's a sign of respect. You are a captain at the game's highest level. You are out there. The shit doesn't go on, right? Like, right. you know, Baker did what he did at Kansas. That's that's two full years ago. That That's a kid's game, right? Like, th it doesn't go on. So, when you get a quote like that and you don't question it, it's it's irresponsible. It is. Right, right. Um, it is. I, I, I no, totally agree. And again, I had to ask. Quote, quote, but like I said, that's why you cannot be blinded by your agenda. And I will tell you this as a writer, that many times, and I know a lot of useless shit, and you know that, and, and I, I, I try to display it in my writing and my podcasting and wherever. But <laughs> many times when I write something that's actually good, it's because I went asking questions and actually tried to find out rather than thinking I knew. Right. Rather than going right. to that game, to that project, to that interview, whatever it was, thinking I knew how it was going to go. Right. And obviously that was shown up to trash Baker Mayfield. And obviously eight of 22, mm -hmm. hundred yards and three turnovers and one first down in the second half is as fucking low as it gets. And it's embarrassing. Right. But the pregame had nothing to do with that. 
No commercial had anything to do with that. No antics two years ago, two months ago, or five minutes before the game had anything to do with that. The Browns got destroyed. The quarterback sucked. The offense sucked. The defense sucked. Everybody but the Scottish Hammer sucked. So to write about eight Baker's eight incidents where he's taken people on and done things in the past has nothing to do with balls not getting caught, balls getting deflected in the air, and the Browns just picking plays out of a hat and trying to think that they're going to work. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that that leads us to the game. We don't got to say anything. That was, well, let me tell you this that was terrible. about the game. As a writer, I would say this, because there's nothing to break down about the game. We just did. It was absolute no-show. Um, if, I, if I was writing right now and trying to take you guys somewhere um, that you couldn't be watching on TV from your couch, from your local pub, from wherever it may be, my lead would be what I saw in the, in the tunnel after the game, which is – Antonio Callaway jersey swapped. He went out there. He didn't know the place. He went out there. He didn't catch the ball. He went out there. He got benched, but he jersey swapped. And these guys are entitled to do what they want. They're big boys, and they give zero fucks about my opinion. But this team right now not only has no flow on offense and no consistency in hardly any area of the game, but it has no self-awareness. It has a very low maturity level. It is trying to plug things in that probably aren't going to work, like Antonio Callaway, for example, who has proven exactly 0% trustworthy over the entirety of his football career, specifically this summer and into this fall. And he goes out there and does that. The Browns weren't going to win that game, but there would have been 14-10 to 10 if that ball's caught, and he jersey swapped. So this is the team that the Browns are taking into battle each week that are trying to build. And there's yeah. a lot of season left, and I still yeah. believe in a lot of these pieces. But, man, they got to grow up. And man, a lot of people took for granted that you are not handed shit in this league. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Let me, let me, that's great because that plays into where I wanted to go with this. I like Freddie Kitchens. I, I think he's, I, I like him. I, and I don't know him personally. I like the interviews. Um, but if any of us thought that a guy that's never, that barely has ever called his own plays, um, last year was the first time he ever called plays. Now all of a sudden we expect him to run a franchise. That's got what you just talked about, and it's got about 40 other guys that have their own agendas. He has no idea yet who he is as a head coach. He doesn't even know who he is as an offensive coordinator. Um, they get one of the hardest schedules, and I'm not making excuses. They get one of the hardest schedules to start. The NFL did the Cleveland Browns. No, They gave them no help in starting the season this way because it's overexposing someone that's, that's overexposed, and that's not his fault. He can be a great head coach at some point in time. Um, but you don't want him to getting, get baptized so bad that he never can become the coach that he's supposed to become. Kyle Shanahan ate him alive with elementary plays. They used Mac Wilson being a, a rookie who, who didn't read his keys, who just ran towards, who ran towards areas and didn't know how to stop elementary run plays, zone run plays. But you also have a head coach, and Callaway's a great example of what you just talked about. Callaway obviously had no idea what he was doing on Monday night. Why the head coach, why the offensive coordinator, why you knew a guy that was going on suspension from the beginning of training camp would never line up in the slot during training camp, the time that you had to teach him another position, why you would not do that, knowing that you have Beckham here, knowing that you have uh, Landry here. Like, those are decisions that are made. And look, Browns fans, you're all in. You bought the tickets already. Some of you already got the Super Bowl tickets. Some of you already got the hotel rooms. 
Some of you already bought the T-shirts. Some of you are making T-shirts that don't even need to be made yet. <laughs> so, so this is the ride that you're on. So stop bitching. Stop being mad. This is what the ride that the Hasbro family has put you on. They have put you on a ride at Cedar Point with the fastest roller coaster in the world, with the cockiest, most twists and turns that you can find, and you go in and out of the dark, and you're right over the lake, and the wind's blowing through your hair, and you don't got a fucking seatbelt on. So congrats. Enjoy. You have an offense that has no idea what they want to do. You got one of the top receivers. I was reading the athletic last night after our bots attempt to do our podcast because, well, shit happens. And we don't have a seatbelt on either, as you guys know. And it, there was an article about the top receivers still in football. And Julio Jones is still, they, for every guy they talk to, still number one. Number two was Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I've gotten to watch a lot of football the last couple weekends. And that doesn't make me smarter than anybody else. That doesn't make me anything more than anybody else. It just means I'm lucky enough to be fat and sit in my ass and watch football. And I love it. Zach, I don't think I've ever seen who – and the point that they made in this article on The Athletic about the top receivers, you can go to Athletic, check it out. A lot of great writers there, a lot of great people there, a lot of great stuff. Really is. Tom Reed is kicking ass. I really mean that. Some of the stories he's been able to do behind the scenes have been really cool. Um, and it talks about, well, you still have to put Odell in this category because of his talent. Yes, he's missed so many games. Yes, he's been injured. But talent-wise, there's no one as talented and can bring to the table what he can bring to the table. And then I can't remember who the third receiver was. But my point to this was, after all the football I watched Saturday, Sunday, Monday of this last week and the last two weeks, I have not seen, and that doesn't mean that Julio can't do this, but I haven't seen Julio throwing passes. I haven't seen Julio uh, run in reverse. I am afraid that they've got this great toy and they have no idea how to use them, Zach. And that's a damn shame. Um, A lot of the plan is questionable, starting with just, you know, look, you admire the lining him up in different spots and handing him because you try to get him in the flow, right? That That's a right, simple right. concept. Um, right. But you wonder <laughs> why not. And also, I'm not arguing with anything you said because you, you're right. But, man, he's got to catch the ball. When it's a little high, yeah, he's got to catch no the doubt. ball. When it's a little no outside, doubt. he's no got to catch the ball. You can talk no all you want, and they do about double teams and triple teams and mass coverages and tight windows on him. And of course you pay attention to him. So when he does get open, he's got to catch the ball. He's yes, got yes. to make those plays. Well, let me take it a step further. What you just said, to go back to what I said, anybody will listen to the podcast and this isn't me beating up. This is just the, if you get pissed at this podcast, it's on you. So if you tweet something or say something or talk shit to somebody, look in the mirror. You name me the top five receivers in the league. You can do however you want to name them. How many of them do you ever hear talk about and bitching and complaining about and talking about coverage? They don't. That's the game. Julio Jones has a safety over the top every goddamn time he comes on the field. That's just the guy I'm using today. Everywhere Julio Jones has gone since he was 16 years old, there's been two guys on him. Same with Odell. It's time to stop making the fucking excuses, and it's time to run the plays the way they need to be run. Yes, your left tackle situation is pathetic. Your right tackle situation is pathetic. You got linemen coming on the field just salivating, and you got a quarterback who, and I'm going to tell you guys this, and I've said it to Zach, it's not all his fault. It's not. But you better be careful because a quarterback that gets hit too much too soon starts losing the traits that make them the great quarterbacks that they are. 
no matter how great they've been in college, no matter how great they've been in high school, no matter how much success you've had in the NFL. You start seeing things differently when you start getting hit a little bit quicker, when you start holding the ball a little bit longer because you're trying to get to certain people. He has lost all characteristics of what made him the darling of the NFL in the last three months of the season. Can he get that back? Absolutely. Yes. But they, and he can get it back. There's no doubt. But they do need to look in the mirror and really look at what they're trying to do. Dumb down, the, you know, like to me, and, and maybe this is because I played at St. V. I played for Johnson Stone, who, 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 after throwing two passes, if one of them hit the ground, he would say, we're going back to the basics. And he literally would run the ball 10 times in a row. <laughs> like, I'm not saying you go to that, but go to basic offensive plays. Line up with two receivers, one tight end, two running backs. And, 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 and you can let the defense do whatever they want. And let the defense dictate towards, okay, who you want to play, you want, or how you want to play. And then just throw it to the open guy. So you do five-step drop, boom. They have to simplify what they're doing because they're almost so exotic that they're too exotic for themselves offensively, in my opinion. Yeah. Look, he's 18 starts in, and, and teams are obviously saw last year's film and are defending him differently. Right? Yeah. And you can adjust sure. on that. However, um, wherever the blame goes, and it certainly is shared, in the quarterback himself, in the Monday to Saturday game plan for the game, in receivers not catching the ball, in a lot of things, right? Maybe the protection right. has a lot to do with it. Maybe it has a little to do with it. I don't know. The protection was really good, really, really good, outrageously good last year. I'll just say this. There are 23 quarterbacks in the league who have a quarterback rating of 90 or better, and his is 68. Mm. He is mm. ahead of Luke Falk mm. and Josh Rosen, and that's it. Ouch. Ouch! Ouch! Josh wrote. Josh wrote there. Yeah. That's uh, that's very telling. And look, the schedule's been tough. There've been, te- and we knew this. There've been teams in the off season that couldn't wait for this. But the alarming thing that I'll go back to, for as bad as his numbers are, and they're bad, they're bad. The other thing I would say is, you can't give up two forty burgers in the first five weeks of the season, can you? Like, like the, I don't like and, – and you and I have been around Browns football long enough, and we were talking about Jimmy Donovan. I know you only gave up 31 against the 49ers, but the 49ers could have printed tickets at whatever score they Oh, my they God, wanted. they left so many – they left minimum 17 points on the field. Minimum. But when you look at what the Titans did to the Browns and you look at what the 49ers did to the Browns, that worries me that you have a team – and I don't – and I you know the word I don't use – but that showed that to me is a team that's unprepared for the situation. Well, you can't you can't twice in five weeks you give you give up like you just, your team basically rolls over and has nothing in the second half. That's hey, scary. All, all the execution things, Dre, that we've talked about and can talk about. Uh, we can't forget the effort problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, right. you, you should have known Kyle Shanahan's going to run off tackle because <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's been no running shit. off tackle since he came out the womb, right? Right, um, right. But guy. Guys got to get there. Like eighty-three yard untouched touchdown runs yeah. are not supposed to happen, right? Like no, that's two like backs at hundred like yards is not supposed right. to happen. No, and for all the like talk the about against... what the Browns might be offensively and all the divas that they put themselves to be because of how they dress and all the selfies they take and all of that, when you're down twenty-eight to three with eight minutes left in the third quarter, that is prime stat padding time, right? Yep, that, yep, yep. yep. The, and they got one first down in the second half. The effort sucked. Right. Embarrassing. Right. Pathetic. That's what you should worry about to me. Because it's one of those teams and it's one and this is look, it's five it's five games. A lot can change. And a lot has to change. But 
I've always heard this, and it's very true. you got to be careful with a bunch of team of followers. You need guys that are okay with being, being different, standing up, and, and because of what it comes back to to me, because it reminds me of that the, the, the screenplay against, uh, against Tennessee where the, the big back goes untouched. And it was like nobody had any – like I'd rather see each other fighting on the sideline than see a guy that big go 75 yards untouched. But what it comes to me is you got a lot of guys that love the game when, it, when everything is going well, but when things go bad, you got a bunch of mercenaries and not a team. And that's not a good thing. No, it's uh, not a good thing uh, at all. Um, let's do our Obscure Browns Player of the Week. Uh, it's sponsored by Cleveland right. Whiskey. This Saturday, October 12th, is Cleveland Whiskey's launch of the 2019 Christmas Bourbon. It's going to take place at their distillery, 1768 East 25th Street in Cleveland at 2 o'clock. They're teaming up with GV Artwork. It's going to be a party 2 to 6 uh, this Saturday, October 12th at Cleveland Whiskey Distillery. We put the uh, link to the event um, on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Uh, when you think Brown Seattle, Dre, it only happens once every four years, right? Um, Thank God. You know, right? Uh, <laughs> you look at Russell Wilson's 73% completion rate through this early stage Ooh. of the season. That is out of this world. Um, so there have been some pretty forgettable Browns uh, Seahawks games they played. An opener that was six to three, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Later on, there was a Charlie Whitehurst game involved. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, I forgot about that one. Uh, yeah, really, really terrible. But um, our obscure Browns player of the week is old friend Andre King. Um, people remember yes, him indeed. as a guy who went and played minor league baseball, then went and played for Butch Davis at Miami. Was a seventh round draft pick. Um, accused by some of being the snitch in the locker room because. P- People say he made the team just because of his relationship with Coach Davis. Well, in 2005, three. The Browns went out to Seattle late in the year. Uh, the Browns were, were down guys. They were playing like six undrafted rookies, and they were getting their asses beat, like 34 to nothing. Beat. And the Seahawks <laughs> punted probably for the first time all day. I don't know that for sure. Um, <laughs> but – they didn't even the Browns didn't even block the punt. The Browns nailed the personal protector back into the punter and they went off his ass and up in the air. And yep. nobody from Seattle knew where the ball was because they they knew the punt wasn't blocked. Well, Andre King scoops it and scores in a thirty four to six, dances his ass off. And that dance yeah. makes him your Cleveland Whiskey obscure Browns player of the week. That might be our favorite because, like a relationship, we can, can Zach and I can go weeks without talking to each other, or days without talking to each other, or months without talking about something, or years without talking about something. And we don't schedule much, or we don't plan much on this podcast, as you guys know. But when he said we got to do an obscure player and it deals with Seattle, and we don't got a lot, without within four, 13 seconds, we both said Andre King for the same reason. That's very telling, Andre <laughs> King. I hope you. <laughs> I hope you're blocking punts and dances somewhere down in Miami and not snitching because we all know snitches get stitches. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, uh, NBA season is right around the corner. Um, I'm just curious. Um, the whole Daryl Morey thing, Morey is a guy from Brexville, Ohio, local guy. Um, and I'm not talking about China. I'm not talking about politics. Um, but very telling how far one comment can go when dealing with a country like that. Yeah. Uh, the NBA is showing a lot about what it's truly about, and this is going to be mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but 
I was I will just say this without diving into because I I want to read a lot more about it and I just haven't had time. So do week. I. Um, given the way our world's going, it is far from a shock that some general manager of a billion dollar pro sports franchise would lose a job over a tweet. But right. under these circumstances, you'd have never seen this coming, right? <laughs> no, not at all. But like you said, in this day and age, um, and we all know what counts and what doesn't count. Um, it's not surprising at all, but it, it's surprising, but it's not surprising when you think of the climate of the world that we live in currently. Hey, tweet less, do less. Um, that's good. <laughs> good, good life advice. Um, at this time of year, one thing American fireworks is doing is shooting fireworks off down at the Maslin football games and the Tigers score a lot of touchdowns this year. So our, our friends at American fireworks stay busy. They're always open for you 24 seven at AmericanFireworks.com. And it's that time of year uh, when you get some stuff for your uh, your clam bakes, your bonfires, all that. It's a perfect time of year to be outside. Let me ask you this, Dre. Is is AJ old enough to go to a high school football game with us and, and give a darn about it, or would he just be taking off wrestling the other kids? He'd be wrestling other kids and asking for ice cream and hot dogs, which is fine. I get that, too. We might have to do that with him, though. He's, uh, he, he's getting there. But he likes all the other stuff that comes yeah, along. Yeah, but the problem is if he night. goes with us, we can't stop at 13 bars on the way home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good point, Z. So, no, he's not best, just ready. How old's Bella? Six? Six. She'll be seven in a, yeah, in a couple months. All right. So, seven years ago in week nine, <laughs> baseball oh season was over. <laughs> and uh, right before <laughs> Bella was born, and Andre and I and a couple of my friends went to a Maslin St. V game. At Maslin, and we oh left my. at halftime because oh. we didn't really go for the game. So as we're driving right. the back road shortcut out of Maslin, this is our glory day story. We pull up to this what looks like a house, and we're like, "Say to my buddy Ian, who's driving, what are you doing?" And he goes, "Well, this is a bar." And, well, what are you doing? He goes, "Well, I always wanted to go here." <laughs> so we go in this bar, <laughs> and there's like seven <laughs> people. Four of them are, are 45 or older, wearing Maslin football jerseys, but they're not at the game. They're at the bar a mile from the stadium. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and two of them recognized you. And remember, they had that yes. old school shuffleboard bowling, and we sat yes. there and drank beers with these people. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ian, why are we stopping? Be because I've always wanted. To... <laughs> I've always wanted to go to this bar. That was his line, and I, we looked at each other like, "What does that mean?" And five minutes later, we're in this bar, and I'm going, "I'm going to die. This is where my life will end." And as soon as I think that I'm in the most racist, scariest place ever. The guy turns and goes, Andre Knott, I love listening to you talk Browns. And I, and I just, oh, my God. Well, speaking of right, quick racism, um, I've called the mayor of Manchester, and I've got some of the rules changed, so you will be able to attend my book signing Monday night, 730, Monday, October 14th. Uh, Dano's Lakeside Pub, come on out and party with us. Uh, we're going to do a podcast on the book and some other things, so we'll still talk about that. So, Yeah, um, baby. Should be a good time. Monday night, come out to Dano's, come see us. And, uh, hey, man, this baby need money. He don't got no baby, but he need money. So buy that book. Give it to your grandpa. Give it to your grandma. Give it to people that don't even know how to read yet. That might be the best people to give it to. Nick Camino, buy it for both your sons. I know they can't read yet, but neither can they daddy. It'll work out just fine. Quick story. Last week, I got to tell this quickly, and then we got to roll. Last uh, Friday, I was asked to speak to the Akron Zips women's basketball team. And I don't know why I didn't tell this story last Friday because we talked right after that. And I can't believe I haven't told you this story off the air. But it's coming on the air. So I, a friend of ours, of both of ours, thought it was a good idea to have me speak to the team about social media and things of that nature. Shout out to the team. Hope they have a great season. Uh, I actually will be going to games. Uh, I, I like how, what they're going and how they're going about doing things. 
But the head coach comes up to me. We had never met before. Um, she shakes my hand. I shake her hand. We introduce us. We say names. And we're walking towards the team. I'm like, is there anything that you really need me to talk about? Is there anything that you want me to touch on? And she goes, well, before you talk to the team, I was told that I have to do this with you. And I go, okay. She goes, well, I have a family member that, that is really close with Doug Deacon. He found out that you were coming to speak to my team. He called me immediately. And he said, don't let Andre talk to your team until he tells you about St. Louis and the Golden Arches. <laughs> that is a dead, honest story. That, and I looked at her and I go, are you serious? And she goes, yeah. She goes, my, my husband, his godfather is Doug Deacon. And I go, well, God bless him because Lord knows that asshole can't help him with anything. So we're walking in and getting for her to go in front of her team. And she goes, no, really. You have to tell me the story so I can go back to Deke and have the story. So I had to tell the Golden Arches St. Louis story by Deke. And then at the end, after I told it, she laughs uncontrollably. She looks at me. She goes, well, she goes, thanks for telling me that story. She goes, I will tell you. Deke told me after I laughed at you. I could tell him. I could tell you that he said you'll be great at doing this. and You're the perfect person to talk to my team. But I had to find out about the Golden Arches first. So congrats to me in a moment where I think I'm the big dog. Deke comes out of nowhere from the top rope and puts me back in my place. Yeah, you truly are his bitch, and so am I. That's just how the world works. <laughs> Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. Shouts, as always, the scene to the Honeymoon Grill, American Fireworks, and Cleveland Whiskey. See you Monday. Be responsible Sunday. You- we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's a week-to-week league. Um, man. Can you see why Greg Robinson? He got a nightmare. I'm sorry, Greg. I'll do it. <laughs> 